0: ¡Gracias! Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak I'm your host Elena Fox Starks Hey guys I hope that uh, wherever and whenever you are you're faring better today after the solar eclipse yesterday here where I was it was hardly anything I did mention it in my show last night Um, just a little bit of a Little bit of a dampening of the light of the sun and that was it. it. Wasn't much. I watched it on TV on YouTube. My Google Chromecast. But um Yeah, I don't know. I just it was weird. Um today we got we got here after we got to the bus station last night with fifteen minutes to spare. Which was a good thing because the bus left eight minutes early, and there's only one bus after that, but it was okay we We got the right bus, and I mean it's supposed to be a seven and a half hour journey, and it was more like nine hours. they still drop people off and pick people up randomly. And the people pay the money as they get on the bus, I guess, just to make more money for the bus company because not all the seats were taken up. Anyway, it was just ridiculous, right? You're about to fall asleep. He has to slam on the brakes or he's got to go on a curve or he's honking a horn, which seems random. Might have been animals in the road. I don't know. You could tell I am really exhausted we, um, we got into, it was about 7.15, no, no, maybe about 7.30. We got into Quito around 7.30 at the terminal, and we just did a little bit of washing up because obviously we have to sleep nine hours on a bus, you know, right there in the terminal. And then um, pet a dog I met last time, he remembered me. Huh. It was just a week ago we met, and his little boy showed up, and it was so cute to see how happy the dog was. So it was fun. <laughs> but um, we got to the government building. They were just opening their doors the second we got there. So perfect timing. And got into the information line, and this guy was wearing this ill-fitting suit, or he didn't quite straighten it out. He just, like, whipped it on and ran to work as fast as he could. And he looked like just, um, he wasn't ready, you know? And he just said, everyone has to sit down for 30 minutes, and then the workday starts. (laughs) And I'm like, why is he sitting at this desk? He should just not be there. He should just go hide for a while he looked like he was so uncomfortable I felt bad for the guy I think he straightened his suit up during that 30 minutes and then he looked normal again but his like his shirt I don't think his shirt was tucked in he was just like racing to work that would be me I'm not a morning person so I, I my my heart went out to this poor guy but um we uh, got there and we had to wait the 30 minutes for him to finally give us information and for the workers to come in and everything to be ready. And so we could take a number and then I went and I got my number and he stamped it and signed it and wrote a bunch of stuff all over the number. So I couldn't see the number. I had no idea what that meant. And then I had to go directly to the office And the lawyer that's been working with us, she works for the government. She just took our stuff and we were literally done in five minutes. We were hoping it wasn't going to be another six-hour day at the government building. And it wasn't. It was just weird. We just, we got there and we were in and out of the whole situation in like an hour or maybe under an hour, maybe an hour because I actually met a Franciscan monk this is really weird, guys. Um, the name Francis is suddenly in my life again. Remember when I um, I told you guys the other day that I got this weird coincidence real estate from L.A., and I haven't been looking at those when they come in. Once a week, I get a listing or a list of listings, and I just don't have the money or even to buy here let alone in Los Angeles or in Berkeley and Oakland you know I like to keep up the real estate market just I don't know why it's a hobby <laughs> it's a hobby it's a weird hobby I've got but um, <laughs> nerd hobby but when I looked at it it, it said um, there were three houses that day Virgil Avenue Terrell Avenue and Francis Avenue and um that's like my son's middle name, my husband my dad husband's name and my middle name. Very weird. Very, very weird. And I started watching a TV show um that one of the main characters' names is Francis. That was another weird thing. And it was set in San Francisco. There's another Francis. <laughs> and Then my friend, named Francisco started writing me again. Um, I hadn't heard from him in a week. So it's like, all these Francis's yet again. And then I get there to my, not really appointment, but just to drop off the paperwork today. And here, literally, is a Franciscan monk. And I told my son, I go, this is really weird. My son's like, what the hell is going on there, you know, like where do you get that costume I'm like he probably made it he's a renunciant and he's wearing like this potato cloth sack type of gown with a pretty nice hoodie you know it's like a robe you know and he had a a white um, rope around his waist and he had um, really nothing with him except he's wearing sandals and he had a uh, His haircut was shaved in the middle of his head with a ring around his head. Like literally like St. Francis of Assisi did. If you guys don't know that episode and you're brand new to the show, welcome, welcome. You might want to go back and listen to my St. Francis of Assisi episode because he was a real saint, not just a Catholic standard saint Um, because they gave that title or name to some people who donated money to the church they weren't really a saint they just donated money but St. Francis actually miracles came through him and many people he touched St. Clair was his best friend and um, she also was a true saint like straight up even if the Catholic Church had never existed people would consider these people saints so anyway um, this Franciscan monk I mean I've never in my life seen a Franciscan monk in real life when I was a kid I told my son I I literally I went to Catholic school and we were going to have a a Halloween party at school and we were told to dress like our uh, favorite saint so of course all the girls dressed like girl saints and I dressed like Saint Francis, because I didn't differentiate between boys and girls, like you know <laughs> I was the only one that was like Saint Francis, <laughs> and um I didn't tell the Franciscan monk that, but it's really bizarre, right, and that's my middle name, and I was named literally after Saint Francis, so of course he's my favorite saint, and um so I just went up and I talked to this guy and. He asked me for my WhatsApp. (laughs) And now I'm friends with a Franciscan monk from Brazil who is in Quito for three months. It's so strange. And I wanted to tell you guys about this, not only for the Francis connection, which, by the way, means freedom, (laughs) but also the fact that um, I had a deep conversation with him about God today. And I asked him, I told him, I said, look, I I hear the voice of God within me, that still small, quiet voice in my heart. And I get, he tells me what to do, like I follow his instructions. You know, I was told to live in Ecuador to help the land and the people here. And this is a place of balance and harmony. And I am supposed to be here not only for myself to achieve balance and harmony, but to help send out this energy throughout the earth and he said oh yeah I definitely hear the voice of God and I have for many years I said of course like that's a part of it right and I've never heard um, a man of the cloth <laughs> talk like this so I was um, I was shocked but also very relieved to hear it I felt like there's something about the, the San Franciscan order of monks, though. There's something. He, he considers himself a brother. He doesn't say he's a monk. He says, I'm a brother. Brother Agnes. Agnes is his name. And um, he wants me to help him with his English. And I said, hey, help me with my Portuguese. You know, we'll help each other with Spanish. It'll work out. So, very interesting, right? And then, oh and then this is really cool. The um taxi driver that drove us to our hostel which was like another hour and a half drive. Quito is such a huge city. I, it was like a $10 taxi ride which doesn't sound like a lot if you're from the states. I mean, this would've been a $40 taxi ride in the states, but um most taxi rides are 2 to 3 dollars, you know, when it's but the city is so big the traffic is so much so it was a $10 I was shocked at that but the taxi driver was um, he uh, is from Latacunga and he gave me his business card and I go well your name isn't in Spanish You're, you're native you're an indigenous person and he's like yeah I'm like that's really cool You know, so basically he's got connections to like the ancient days, right? You know, it's probably has stories in his family and in his tribe. And I'm always interested in other cultures like that, especially indigenous people. And he said, well, in my family, we had the the princess. I forgot her name now. Princess Tao, I think he said. And she was extremely famous. There's stories written about her. And, um, and I'm like well you said it's your family does that make you a prince and he, go, and he didn't want to say it first and he said yeah actually I am a prince so in his tribe he's a prince and in Ecuador I guess there were royal families among the indigenous people I did not know that you know like in, in the United States at least in the Cherokee Nation we have a chief we don't call him a king we call him a chief he's a chieftain well, I guess chieftain is more of a word from Ireland and Scotland. But um he's he's a chief. My cousin is second in line to be chief in the Cherokee Nation. Tim Lee is his name. But um I, don't know, I just thought it was weird. It's like it's like I met a Franciscan monk, then I met a prince, you know. Um weird. And I made I made a friend with a, another woman who speaks Um, fluent English she lived in West Covina (laughs) so of course I sang this song from crazy ex-girlfriend you know West Covina California (laughs) and she had no idea what I was talking about but she thought it was great that I knew the city (laughs) and we had a good laugh about that I told her about the show and she said oh my god that sounds hilarious And her father lives in Cuenca and she lives in Quito and she's moving to Barcelona to get her master's degree in Spain. I'm like, that's pretty exciting. So it was really cool. It was um, a way different day than I've had in the past when it comes to days of stressing out over paperwork and government-related things. I was in a different energy form Even my son was like, I'm expecting you any moment to snap and bite people's heads off and be mean, you know, and freak out because when you get really stressed out, I'm like, you know what? I haven't been like that in days. And I have, I admit, I do have like a temper sometimes, redhead, you know, Irish. (laughs) Kind of known for that. (laughs) But like a couple of taxi drivers tried to overcharge me and I was just very sweet. I said, no, I know the rules. I know I know how much it is and you can't, you know, charge me $3 for like a five minute taxi ride. It was not less than one mile. I know how much it is per mile. I know what the minimum is. You know, this guy didn't even turn on his meter and he says, oh, it's $3 or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not. But here you go. I'll give you the $1.50. fifty." and he knew he couldn't say anything he had no proof (laughs) you turn on the taxi meter I could say it's nothing he took me one block you know (laughs) I wouldn't do that I paid him of course but I don't know I was in a different mood a different way I don't know how to explain it other than that all day I've been very tired I, I think it might be the nine hour bus ride and the you know, government thing. We came right to the hostel and we haven't even left. We we had breakfast. We got here in time for breakfast. I couldn't believe that. I thought we'd be here at four in the afternoon. We got here at ten thirty. In the morning breakfast was still out. And they're like, Oh yeah, breakfast is still eleven. I'm like, good, I'll take two. (laughs) We're gonna eat. And it was fruit, oh, tons of tropical fruit and juice and they didn't put sugar in their juice and they said they have hot water out for tea all night long, and they have um, bottled water for free, day and night. Just fill up your water bottle, no problem. So much better than the last hostel I was in with all the crazy Winchester house stair stairs. And uh, we're now in like a it looks to be like a two to two hundred to three hundred year old house. It's an old Spanish style adobe with a courtyard in the middle and. It's just white plaster and dark brown wood. It's like heavy, heavy Spanish colonial style house. It's like brick with plaster, not the thick wall adobe, but I don't know. Just we walked in the courtyard. It was all light and bright and beautiful plants everywhere and flowers and Butterflies and it was gorgeous, and the energy is so calm. I'm in a private room you know i pay, I'm paying twenty four dollars for the privilege of having a private room with a bathroom and at the last hostel that was so crazy with a, you know sharing a, you know eight eight people to a room in one bathroom for eight people it was um it was like super loud and noisy you walk on the floor for Two seconds and everyone wakes up because of the creaking boards that weren't nailed down. And um, that was $20. So, I mean, for $4 more, we got a private room. It was cool. So, I'm glad our trip is over. We're going to get on a bus tomorrow morning and take nine hours back home. And in five business days, they're going to write me a letter again in the email, and I'm going to have to come right back here to pay my visa hopefully hopefully they're not going to deport us hopefully it'll be the thing where they say oh yeah there it is everything is good we're fine your paperwork is together everything is fresh and here's your visa and here's your cedula which is a an identification card so this is what I'm hoping this is what I'm hoping for so I'm recording this early it's 942 I am Really tired, though. So I'm going to try to get to bed early. My son is tired. He's sick still. He's got a cold. So we're just trying to wrap this up. Uh Today we are, if you haven't guessed, 99 on this Ascension Symptoms Scale. If you haven't been, like, feeling <laughs> uh, mentally foggy, maybe, or a little bit um tired, you know, with the uh, tinnitus is always going on. A little bit here, a little bit there. I've had several attunements or adjustments, if you will, from my holy guardian angel. I keep seeing in this room, I've seen several beings. I don't know if it's my holy guardian angel. Highly likely it's my my angel, but I keep seeing stuff flying around the room. Might be fairies. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of fairy folk about because of all the plants just right outside the window my son and I came here we kept the window open and for a time the door and we just fell asleep because the breeze was warm and it was sunny I can't believe the Sun was like double brightness and double heat double hot (laughs) to make up for the you know three minutes of solar eclipse I guess yesterday this is a very crazy city as far as the sun goes it's very 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 bright oh and and we got to see Cotopaxi the famous volcano Cotopaxi and it's halfway between here and Latacunga and there's another um, volcano Um, it wasn't Chiluambamba that one, no it was it was Chiluambamba I think it's called that one is um, I, I might be I might just be saying the wrong name but largest volcano near and the nearest one that's the largest one nearest Quito still the top of it is covered in mount. it's, the, it's like a huge volcanic mountain active <laughs> it goes off at least once a week just a little bit little tiny fits and starts never anything major and it's covered in snow The both of the ones we saw were covered in snow And we didn't see the biggest one, which is the biggest one in the world. It's the biggest mountain from the center of the earth to the tip of the volcano or mountain. It is the tallest in the world when you count it from the center of the earth. The Himalayan, um, you know, mountain. Well, there's like K2 and then there's Oh, God, I, I mentioned this to you guys the other day, but in, during a weird—I think it was either a Freaky Friday or a Weird weird, bleh, weird News Wednesday day—we um, had uh, discussed that. But anyway, the three the three volcanoes are visible. It was a very clear, sunshiny day. We saw two of them out of the three. It was really cool to see it. It was—I was so excited. I love volcanoes. <laughs> I don't know why I like to be surrounded by volcanoes. It's crazy. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read the Schumann Resonance News. The first report was 9 o'clock in the morning UTC time. It says the massive activity started yesterday at 16 UTC, lasted until 24 UTC, 8 hours. The maximum peak was 50 hertz, but the average amplitude had been quite high. Shown by the amount of white during this period since midnight UTC, the amplitude has returned to normal values. And at 1700 UTC, the evening report, they write, after the period of strong activity previously reported from one UTC today, the situation is calm. So 50 hertz, that is well into the fifth dimension. So it's pretty cool. I'm gonna to read to you the first little bit of A Course in Miracles now. I'm sorry I'm not more excited. I'm excited about the show, but I'm I'm so tired. And I, I honestly don't know if it's just it was the bus ride. Or if it's uh the altitude could be, or if it's just the ascension symptoms. I I'm feeling really groggy from ascension from sure. Uh, symptoms for sure see I can't even talk right (laughs) sorry about that guys okay lesson 25 says in a course in miracles I do not know what anything is for I do not know what anything is for and I'm going to read the first uh, actually I'm going to read the first two paragraphs because it's very interesting purpose is meaning why nothing you see means anything You do not know what it is for. Therefore, it is meaningless to you. Everything is for your own best interests. That is what it is for. That is its purpose. That is what it means. It is in recognizing this that your goals become unified. It is in recognizing this that what you see is given meaning. You perceive the world and everything in it as meaningful in terms of ego goals. These goals have nothing to do with your own best interests because the ego is not you. This false identification makes you incapable of understanding what anything is for. As a result, you are bound to misuse it. When you believe this, you will try to withdraw the goals you have assigned to the world instead of attempting to reinforce them. So I'm not going to read the rest of the lesson. It's pretty long. It's, it's a good lesson, though. I do not know what anything is for. So there's that. Okay. Uh, I'm like yawning. I'm tired. Okay. Um, One quick thing before we get into tonight's show... Um, I don't know if you guys have followed Aluna Ash on YouTube earlier in the year in January her mother died her mother had been sick for a very long time and she had been taking care of her and she knew when she was about to transition she even mentioned it on the show and then her mother transitioned when she thought it would happen and still it was is still um, very painful obviously for her and well Yesterday, right after the eclipse, her husband—well, I don't know if it's her husband, but the father to her child died, and she knew it for a long time. Again, she's very, very psychic. She's very gifted with um, the third sight, but or second sight. What's third sight? That's weird. I said third, third eye, <laughs> third eyesight, second sight. But anyway, she knew it, and her daughter also knew it was going to come. Her daughter had been spending years worried that he was going to die, knowing it was going to happen. They're both very psychic. It sounds like they have a little bit of the hereditary witchcraft, or at least hereditary psychic ability. But anyway, I wanted to mention it so that if you know her, you follow her, you know her work, you might be so inclined now to just say some prayers for her daughter and for her, maybe for her husband's spirit, as he moves on through his his um basically his wheel wheel of life you it's like about three days time earth days where you go through everything you lived this life and you go over what your goals were before you got here and what you accomplished and all that before you go into the cocooning phase if you need to go into that they're pretty crazy he died during the um solar eclipse, but our hearts and prayers and thoughts are with Aluna Ash tonight. So uh, when I come back after this message, I am going to be discussing basic income news. I got the basic income newsletter today, B N basic income earth network dot org. B-I-E-N dot org. And if you don't know what basic income is, it is the idea that If the government's provided everybody with a very basic salary, it would even the playing field and it would eliminate poverty. And this isn't um, technically a metaphysical topic, um, but it is something that's close to me. It's near and dear to my heart. It's something that I've always thought would be a great idea. And the first time I ever heard about it, I was reading... Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh and God introduced the idea in the book he said he thinks it's coming and it's a good idea and this is what should be done if everybody had basic you know a couple thousand dollars a month coming in those that wanted to work would continue to work and those that didn't want to work in the first place good they could stay home they could do creative endeavors or watch TV or sleep, whatever it is that they want to do, they can do that. And then you, and then it would make the world a happier place because the people that resent having to go to work won't have to. The people that love to be at work will create a better environment and people be happier and no one will have to go without food. No one in the world would have to live in, um, you know, have hunger when they sleep 75% of the world right now um, is starving. When they go to bed, they're hungry. You go to bed hungry 75%. That's too high. It should be zero. So basic income, when they figure out how to implement it is going to be, it's going to work. So I'm going to talk about what bills have been introduced, what, Preliminary programs in what cities around the world have been tested, which ones worked, which ones didn't, what are they um, figuring out now. And when I come back, that's what we're going to talk about. So after this message, I'll be right back to talk about basic income. Basic income or universal basic income, UBI, has been an idea tossed around now very actively by many local, state, and country level governments. <laughs> I mentioned that one of the time travelers on Apex TV. Whether he's real or not, his ideas were good, but he claims to be real. So far, his story checks out with me. There's only, I think, one thing he said that when I asked higher guidance, that wasn't going to be the case, but obviously we could be on a different timeline. <laughs> um, he could have come from a different timeline and went back in time and gone on to ours. I mean, if time travel exists, why can't that happen, Right. It's pretty obvious it could could happen, so he the time traveler, said that in just a few years from now, everyone's gonna be making four thousand dollars a month, everyone in the world four thousand dollars American a month. Well I'm all for that. that's pretty cool. Little old ladies won't have to eat cat food anymore, and um single mothers that are unemployed won't have to choose between feeding their children or feeding themselves anymore. So it's pretty cool. So I'm going to talk about some of the stories that were in the newsletter for bn.org or basicincomeearthnetwork.org today. Just got it in the email today. So Rashida Tlaib... I don't even know how to pronounce her name. She might be in the running for president of the United States actually this year. She is a congresswoman. And she has decided to back up the basic income bill for the United States. She's also pushing a... She's in the 13th congressional district and they had a women and families round table in Michigan in Redford, Michigan, in its district 1. This is just west to where my house is in Michigan in Detroit. So this is Redford is a small township. It's not quite a city. It's a township. And there's 50,000 people more or less that live there. And most of them are poor. There's a lot of single working people with children, a lot of single moms that are unemployed. So they have decided to start looking into an act called the Lift Plus Act. Okay, and this is a bill that's been announced. And they have advocates all over the district. Like, all the people are so excited about this because... This will provide affordable health care and affordable child care. And the problem is um, everything costs so much there. Like utilities are insane. I know that when I was living there, it was $1,000 just for um, water and electricity. And that didn't include groceries. That didn't include taxi to go get groceries or um, Internet. It it didn't include any of that. Just water and electricity alone. Didn't even include gas because I didn't have gas in my house when I was living there. So pretty crazy stuff. So LIFT stands for Livable Incomes for Families Today. LIFT. So um, basically it was introduced by Senator Kamala Harris earlier in the year. Um, under the same name lift and they just want to provide relief for low income and moderate income households and what it will do is introduce a new tax credit for the working class individuals up to uh, $250 a month and for families up to $500 a month so if they have a tax credit coming well I mean their tax you know like when they do their taxes and they get their money back the refund this is different than the refund this is just a tax credit for anyone who's in very low income bracket that's where they're starting anyone who makes less than $50,000 per year will be in this uh, pilot program so instead of giving somebody like the $3,000 up front, they'll break it down into 12 monthly payments so that will boost their income to $250 a month or if it's 6,000 if they are a family which that's what the tax credit will be so it's actually, if you make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year for families, that's, um, how they qualify. So they, they're calling this a negative income tax <laughs> because it's not really a tax. It's well, it's a credit. They should call it an, a positive income credit, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not what they're calling it. So I don't know. I think, I think this is pretty cool that, the whole Detroit area is seriously in need of a boost, for sure. Now, this is funny that I got this in the email um, just today because about four or five days ago, I started getting curious about basic income again, and I was thinking that I would you know start looking it up and like, hey, where are these pilot programs? What is happening? I'd like to know what has happened with the ones that were already implemented because in Detroit well just you know west of Detroit they're getting ready to do it they haven't quite done it yet but I know all over the world they've done it so I was thinking about looking into it and when I started to look into it all I could find was a bunch of really negative um, basically articles and YouTube videos and tweets from conservatives who don't need basic income so rich people saying that poor people don't need this <laughs> I wonder why I wonder why they would say that you know they, they don't have any human connection they're not awake right they have no you know people that have no heart are the ones that implement policies that hurt or don't implement don't implement policies that would help So um, I was getting a little discouraged by it and I was like, oh man, I keep mentioning on the show and I wanted to hear about, I want to hear how it has been working and how it has been helping people. And I couldn't find anything. So this was a godsend literally when this came to me today. Uh, (laughs) So Doug Ford in Canada, in Ontario, Canada, he canceled the basic income pilot experiment because it was working, according to basic income Earth Network writer Scott Santens. Uh, this is distressing to me that they did a pilot program And the uh, government officials there said they didn't think there was any advantage or benefits from pursuing the basic income experiment further. So they went ahead and did it. People were getting money and they were having improvement in their lives. And then the government said, oh, it's not working. And then they just canceled it without explanation. So... Let me see. I'm trying to look here on, it, on the report. It says uh, there were 400 people that participated in the pilot program. And basically, the only thing that this uh, writer could say is he believes it's just another case of dissonance <laughs> be- between the government power and the common citizens. So... I don't understand. I mean, it is a very legitimate question as to why would they suddenly cancel the program? So they, um, there was another, let's see. Um, all right. So what happened in Canada in Ontario, Canada, with these 400 people, They were reporting, this is what they said, they had more agency, you know, more free will, more availability to do what they want with their lives, which brought on anxiety relief. They had more social connections and more financial security. The majority started to eat better, and they were able to start making plans for their future. And all this went away when Doug Ford canceled their pilot program without any warning or without any explanation but according to the Basic Income Canada Network I'm going to read you guys some statistics and some answers as to what happens when everybody receives basic income (laughs) when there's a universal basic income so 88% of the respondents reported less stress and anxiety 73% had less depression the baseline survey reported that at the start of the pilot 81% of the participants were suffering from moderate to severe psychological stress 81% and then after they got the basic income 88% had less stress go figure 58% improved their housing, their housing situation. 34% found the basic income supported employment by affording transportation to work or childcare or ability to start or even expand a business that they already had. 32% of respondents were able to go back to school or upgrade their skills. Note that a majority of employed participants in the government baseline survey recipients and the control group all said that they had been in dead end jobs. So that's cool. A third of them went back to college or upgraded their skills. That's incredible, right? 74% were able to make healthy food choices. 28% of them stopped using food banks. For those of you who don't know, a food bank is when people um, go to where government has had excess or surplus in food um, from farmers or whatever, and people go and get get the food out. There's also private food banks where people give donations. They donate food or donate money for churches, for example, to buy food or organizations, and then people go and pick up the free food. So that's... That's pretty cool that uh, 28% so almost a third stopped using food banks, which means that people not in the program would have more available to them. You see how beneficial this is to society. 46% that's almost half were able to pay off all their debts. 52% were able to see friends and family more often. That's over half. That's amazing. were physically more able to do their activities. 45% reported fewer health problems. So that's, uh, I mean, think about that. Almost half had health problems because of stress and whatever, which puts a strain on the governmental uh, health institutions. But when they have basic income coming in, less stress and probably they're sleeping better because they're not stressed. They're eating healthier, so they're healthier. And that puts less of a strain on the government. Why would they cancel this? Many respondents talked about working hard their whole lives, often at multiple jobs, but never really had a life until basic income had made that possible. So, you know... There it is. Yeah, my son's over here. He has a cold, guys, and he's in the background. He he feels bad because he's blowing his nose, and so it's okay. If you guys want to send love and light to my kid, I am already, but um, every little bit helps, of course. So I I don't know, guys. I mean, why would they Why would they stop this? It was working. <laughs> I think people of Ontario should write to Mr. Ford and have a little (laughs) chit-chat, right? All right, let's go to another part of the world now. We're going to go to Finland. Well, Finland had a basic income experiment last year And it was just, it was going to be temporary. They had 2,000 people that were the experiment subjects and 5,000 people formed the control group. I guess the control group are the people that don't get free money from the government. I don't know. (laughs) But 2,000 people were receiving the basic income. So they uh, had a phone survey to determine the impact of basic income on employment taxable earnings take up of unemployment benefits paid out by their KILA which is social services and enrollment in employment services so and it was the survey was done according to international standards on questionnaires such as the European social survey the international so- social survey program or the European Union survey okay so Basically, they did a good job. They did a professional job on this and wanted to get some actual clear answers to see what this experiment achieved in their society in Finland, if anything. They did have a basic question the government wanted to answer. That question was, could basic income increase employment and simplify Their social security system. So, ah, all right. We want to know did Finland's basic experiment, basic income experiment work? Well, it's no wonder that when they were asked, the people of Finland basically said that this experiment brought promises of a better life, a more secure life with less. governmental bureaucracy (laughs) I'm all for that (laughs) but of course they had to end the program it was just an experiment after all the government of Finland has no prospects to expand let alone implement this program on a widespread scale but one participant according to this article on bn.org Tanya told the BBC that basic income changed my life, she said. It allowed her to stand on her own two feet. Another participant named Thomas referred to the same difficulties. He, or He said that the same difficulties remained during the experiment for gain into paid employment, which could be related to the fact that the experiment had a very small target group of 2,000 people spread along the whole of Finland. So... Yeah, they could I guess they're saying that they couldn't tell what a community effects would be because it was throughout the whole of the country. It was like random people I guess they picked. And so the marketplace would not adjust cor- accordingly. See, that's a, that's important to know, right? Hmm. So basically their only conclusion that they published was basically that the experiment did not result in higher levels of paid employment for the participants but they have other preliminary results which are less objective than hours employed you know they looked at things such as life satisfaction trust confidence physical and mental health concentration depression financial security stress and attitudes towards unconditional basic income there is a uh, yes yeah, scott santons we mentioned earlier he is a international basic income activist so he went ahead and he summarized these so in life satisfaction there was an 8% overall improvement in trust observed there was a 6% increase in other people so other people were able to trust the people that now have more income yeah I mean people don't trust poor people (laughs) if you dress poorly like you are poor and you walk into um, a clothing shop they'll look at you with jaundiced eyes like they're gonna they know you're gonna steal whether you're gonna steal or not whether you're a criminal or not they have no way of knowing but they act like that's what's going to happen for sure. People don't trust poor people. It's not good, but it's real to look at that. So 21% of the people had an increase in their personal confidence in their future. 22% had an increase in their ability to actually influence their society. There was a 17% remarkably, a remarkable improvement was observed in the areas of physical and mental health. Um, concentration, 16% improvement on being able to concentrate mentally. Depression, there was a 37% reduction in depression. Financial security, 26, 26, 26% improvement in financial security. Stress, 17% improvement. So attitudes towards universal basic income, 38% improvement over the number of people who strongly agree that a national universal universal basic income would make it easier to accept job offers and a 24% increase over the number of people who think Finland now should adopt a UBI. Not a UTI. <laughs> a totally different thing, but universal basic income. So this was a two-year pilot program. I thought it was only one year. It's a two-year pilot program. So... I don't know I mean I think if people are generalized um, having generalized well being improvement as well as physical I mean, I mean if you have basic income you have more time to you have money to go to the gym or to buy equipment to uh, you know work out at home you're going to have a lot more um, free time I don't know I just I feel like I don't know why they're stopping the experiments and then they have no plans to move on with it. It's so strange to me. So I think we should go to the United Kingdom next. There was this uh, one, a pilot program in Stockton, California. So I'm going to see if I can find the results on that. But right now we're going to go to the UK and we're going to have to see what they had to say. So, according to the United Kingdom, uh, their report concludes that implementing universal basic income in the UK is feasible, affordable, and very progressive. Well, that's that's incredible, right? So, mm, let's see. So the report's conclusions, um, basically they, they wanted to have a citizen's wealth fund. So the, um, they have two models for change in the British social security system. One that installs a partial base, basic income for a cost of $28 billion, or I'm sorry, not dollars, 28 billion pounds per year, pounds of silver. Um, approximately the benefits cut per year since 2010 in the what they already have so they're showing from their preliminary results that this is not just a pipe dream for them in britain they're thinking about really doing it so it would uh they said that this would rise The unconditional transfer of the first model through the operation of a citizens wealth fund so instead of doing Social Security so this would be like a way of changing some stuff up that would actually help them overall so the top models presented satisfied the feasibility tests set out earlier so both models are progressive because they raise the income of low-income households and they provide basic income for everybody They become more progressive and powerful anti-poverty instruments. They help to correct the gender imbalance of the present system. As y'all know, men always make more money. It's been that way around the world. Everything is gender biased, unfortunately. We haven't gotten rid of sexism quite yet. Um, and, And they do ensure that there's almost no losers among the poorest of the households. So, but both programs will also apply 15% rate of income tax in addition to the 3% on each rate of income tax and an extension of national insurance payments. I don't know what that means because I'm not British. (laughs) So, they're trying to figure out how to collect the money for the 28 Oh, they said $28 billion earlier. Now they say $28 million. Probably it's $28 billion per year. But they think that, I think that was just a typo. So it could be collected in a wide variety of ways. For example, uh, reversing the freezing of diesel and petrol excise duties. That has been going on since 2010. They could reverse cuts in the corporate tax rate. Yep, that's true. They could reduce the number and value of tax reliefs. You know, so they will, if they eliminate the quote unquote entrepreneur's relief and then replace that with basic income, that would save 2.7 billion pounds per year. If they phase out financial support to homeowners and private landlords, but then also, and, and this mainly benefits of property developers, not people who are, you know, just basic landlords. You know, I guess they have a bill that just, it's like helping rich people get richer in a way. Um, And that's $8 billion per year. So there's other possibilities. There's a lot of stuff if they reverse it, then it looks like they could do a basic income. And if everybody has a basic income, then who's going to care about the other programs when they're getting the same, if not more, right? So, okay. So it does make this really quite progressive. I mean... I don't know. I hope that they can do it. That sounds really awesome. All right. Um, let's see here. We have more. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to go over a quick couple things. In the United States, Maryland, the, the state of Maryland, there's a legislator there who is pushing the creation of a social wealth fund for his state and also in Massachusetts, the same thing. They are now going to, um, they have, they have uh, introduced a bill that if passed, they will start to test basic income in Massachusetts, which would be pretty cool. All right. So... The Estonian, in in the government of Estonia, Parliament is examining the possibility of testing basic income in Estonia. Here's another one. In Canada, the national inquiry in the government into violence against indigenous women does reveal the necessity to eliminate poverty in the country. So that might be you know a huge reason it might reduce um, people's um, willingness to act out and be violent because they're stressed about money a lot of social ills that could reduce police forces that's a whole nother thing that I haven't even considered yet crime rates yeah sorry thank you thank you son see my kids should be a part of the show <laughs> um, yeah. and you guys hear this is that a police is that is that an ambulance outside or a police see both things <laughs> if people were healthier we wouldn't hear those ambulances as much if people were not if they were wealthier we wouldn't hear you know <laughs> police guards I just love when good timing happens Um, let's see here now in Canada you know I was just talking about Ontario but I want to talk a little bit about the Canadian government Um, they are now cross party MP committee recommends the federal government look into basic income this is the House of Commons in Canada so they're looking into new types of income support that do not depend on someone having a job, quote unquote. And so, I mean, the Canadian, the Canadian Social Security, um, I have heard that they do use a number of ways that um, pay. It's not just. The younger people paying into it, so the older people can get it. That's the way the United States system is. Like, when you're younger and you're working, um, a certain percentage of your income goes into Social Security fund, which is supposed to be for you in the future. But technically, that's paying for the people now, and then you're depending on the younger people in the future um, when you're older to pay your your income. It's it's kind of what's actually happening because government has so-called borrowed money from the funds so it's not like money that i put in from all the years of working when i was younger is not sitting in a fund waiting for me to collect it when i'm 65 that's already been paid out to other people that are already on social security that's why they keep calling it a broken system but they can't delete it because there's too many people that are on it so um, the committee report in Canada they said that a minimum income program in the context of a kind of no strings attached government led program that could replace a tapestry of targeted benefits it's definitely an option to help all of the workers who have fallen into precarious situations and for whom there is no adequate social security protection. Yeah, that's right. I mean, social security is something that you get when you're, at least in the United States, it's when you're disabled, when you um, are like born with a disability that prevents you from working or you become disabled due to illness or accident or, or even mental health issues, which usually is brought about by not having a basic income. So, or when you're old, you know, and you're done working and you're not really hireable. You don't, you don't, uh, you know, people don't seek out to hire old people, you know. Oh, you're 60, can't wait for you to work for me and quit in five years. You know, like most people that have businesses want to hire people in their 20s and 30s because they think, well, I might get 20 or 30 years out of them, you know. But people, the, the nature of, business and working is changing. People are making more money on the internet. People are starting their own businesses. People are doing things that don't involve having a boss or working for other people anymore. I mean, when I was a little kid, people were pretty much steady. They would have one job or one business and they did that their whole lives. And when I got to be in my twenties people started quitting whatever they were doing and then they'd have a second career and now people have you know three or more careers during their lifetime it's becoming more and more common and now the Millennials don't even really care about working for other people they call you know like working for the man it's what they've always called it since I was a kid <laughs> you know making somebody else rich with you on your back <laughs> You know, you're, you're getting dollars and they're getting thousands of dollars on your efforts. So a lot of people are seeing through, <laughs> you know, what's really going on. So we're going to go to the um, National Academy. I think of basic income science. I just The page just went blank, so bear with me here. We're going to see what they have to say about this. Um, I think there has to be a very um, broad perspective. If we look at basic income from a holistic view, then, you know, I mean, if you have, you know, not everyone is going to sit around at home watching Jerry Springer and eating bonbons in their underwear. You know, I think that that's the fear that a lot of the old fuddy-duddies in government think that when we have, we're all just going to sit around and, you know, watch Netflix and chill and do nothing. Maybe have sex and make babies and put more of a strain on the system. But that's not true. Most people, when they have a little bit extra income, they might be able to quit a dead-end job, which then opens up, A dead-end job for somebody looking for just a job for right now you know some people might need that job for experience you know just for a temporary thing you know um, a lot of people can focus on education and that's gonna I think that will strengthen every nation in the world it will make people healthier it'll make people wealthier overall it'll make people smarter it'll make people less stressed Um, You know, give me a guy who sleeps, you know, eight hours a night every single night and sleeps all the way through the night, has enough money and has good health. And I'll show you a guy who's not going to go shoot up a movie theater full of people, you know, you have better mental health (laughs) when you're not worried about money (laughs) and when you're healthier with your food. And you're able to pay for the gym or, you know, dues at the local swimming pool. <laughs> Maybe when you're able to make payments on your own swimming pool in your own backyard. <laughs> so this, I'm going to read this article to you guys. The National Academy of Social Insurance. I'm going to read bits and pieces from the article. The National Academy of Social Insurance published a paper in April 2019. They said the idea of implementing a relatively small basic income, 200 to 400 per month, at least initially, has been explored. So, let's see. Yeah, the idea, the need for security, came from the year 1935. The, basically, the all embracing measure of, of security itself is basically an assured income. Yeah, we live in a world in which if you don't have the paper that's green and white and <laughs> fits in your, in your wallet, <laughs> you, you don't feel secure. No? So it says, a program of economic security as we envision it must have as its primary aim the assurance of an adequate income to each human being in childhood, youth, middle age, or old age, in sickness or in health, <laughs> uh, so they they believe that if all U.S. citizens had a means to increase their economic security, um, let's see, was it go on to say? Um, It would, it would complement the existing social insurance and social assistance programs. It would just be a complement to it. So that's what they're looking into now. Something really kind of basic, you know, literally basic, basic income, not massive basic income yet. I think it's going to go there, though. I mean, I really feel like, you know, we're going to go to this article I found. Some European Parliament... Candidates respond to a UBI questionnaire. Let's see what they have to say for themselves. All right. um, Let's see. So the candidates uh, that they spoke to were from Belgium, Germany, and Greece, and Ireland. They're mostly all in favor of experimenting and implementing a, an EU, European Union-wide basic income with a few variations. So, for example, it says, Olivier Deschuter argues that basic income should start for the youngsters, namely people between 18 and 25 years old, fixed at 60% of the median income of the country. You know, I agree with that. I mean, when you're 18, you, you're struggling. I mean, working at McDonald's is not going to pay your rent. You know, you have to like live 10 people to a house and you all have to work at McDonald's, you know what I mean? Or wherever. <laughs> you know, when you're 18, they go, well, show me your resume. And you're like, I'm 18. I wasn't able to work before I was in school. Okay, well, what's your experience? Well, again, this will be my experience if you give me the job. You know, and they go, well, what's your education? Well, I'm 18, you know. So either you have a GED or you don't, or you have a high school diploma or you don't. But, you know, usually employers want you to have, you know, what you have to have experience and you have to have like, you know, at least a GED if not, you know, a high school diploma and GED are the same, but a lot of employers want you to have a university degree. So where does that leave you in you're 18? You know, most people cannot get it into university unless they're 18. So that's kind of ridiculous, actually. So I think that's a great idea for, especially for that age group, because they're very vulnerable. You know, they they can't get health insurance when they don't have a job and they can't get a job because they don't have experience and they don't have a degree yet. And it's, they're very vulnerable. I mean, my, my oldest is 19 years old and he almost went to the hospital the other day, no insurance, just the basic, like, you know, um, poor people insurance that from the state of California. But, I mean, if he had basic income coming in right now, he could get himself an apartment. <clears throat> he could have better sleep. He would eat better. You know, he might be able to start saving for a car, which would get him to and from work, you know, or to and from the studio if he decides to pursue his music career. You know, like, so there's... There's a lot of things to be said for this. So Olivier Main Main another one named Olivier Olivier Maingain. These people, th- these words, these these names don't even sound real. Okay, it's probably a real person though. So sorry about that. And I'm probably not saying it. Maybe it's Mangang. <laughs> it says Maingain. I don't know. I'm sorry. I know I'm pronouncing this wrong. So anyway, it says Olivier. Mangan, I'm assuming, points out that paying a monthly basic dividend to all EU citizens is not within the powers of the EU at the moment. So, pfft, main gain. thats I should call the person main fail. <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh my God. And then we go to the next paragraph where it says, Willie O'Day from the Fianna Fail Party. <laughs> I just said the word fail. Okay, this is in Ireland, so... Let me see if I can pronounce this correctly. Fiana File Party. Uh, it's probably not even right. Sorry, guys. <sighs> My ancestors are Irish, but I do not know how to speak Gaelic. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I tried. It's so hard. <laughs> All I know is that my last name Fox comes from the name Shiani. I do know how to pronounce that, kind of. That might not even be correct. (laughs) So they do have a candidate, though, in Ireland um, for the EP elections, Brendan Smith. And he wrote um, an article that expressed his views on basic income. He said that he want to see in the article he takes the opportunity to clarify a few important aspects about the finished basic income experiment linking its design features to the published results until now and the results were not surprising given the way the experiment was set up yeah I mean why would you put it like 2,000 people randomly just dotted across the country I, I think it has to be in like a city you know in a neighborhood just to see how the interworkings of each other, you know, I think that would be more. It would be better. I agree with him. But he did say though that overall though the results were encouraging, because he considers the social well-being of the people to be quote real and measurable tangible benefits unquote. Ah. I wish I could live in Ireland so I could vote for you. Ugh. Brendan Smith. And Willie O'Day, he wrote an article called um, Universal Income Pilot could point to a fairer future. I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, I don't understand why they're worried about where the money is coming. Why can't they print more money? Yeah, I understand. That will make things go down a little bit, but. You know, as far as things might cost a little more. I understand inflation. But you can't tell me that you can't print more paper. It's just paper. We're worried and worried and worried about paper. I know that's not the basic thing, but... There is a brand new book. In case you guys want to look into this further, I have not read it. I just heard about it today. Um, Louise Ha... H-A-A-G-H. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me with these names that I cannot pronounce. New book by Louise Ha. Again, that's spelled H-A-A-G-H. And her book is called The Case for Universal Basic Income. So there is an opinion piece so it's an op-ed I'm going to see what it has to say this is not about the experiments or about any parliaments or governments or individual MPs um, what they think this is you know these people say this person says Basics in, basic income's experimental wave is over it's time now for policies alright so in the past two years there's been a lot of positive development going on in the realm of UBI um, some level of attention and po- political legitimacy in western countries I agree and so um, now now the next wave of UBI political discussions um, they need to get away from the experiments they have to start pushing for the actual changes in policy where they're going to start implementing we have to go in this direction we have to I believe this is the only humane way I'm very passionate about this, obviously. So they've tried this in different countries with different stages of economic development. Um, You know, I, I think that, I mean, you know, honestly, yeah, and it even says here, what if you just trickle a little bit? It's better to do a little bit now than pushing for another experiment so yeah give people $250 a month start with that and then if that works give them 300 next year if that works give them 500 the following year and work on up to an actual income that people can live off of so it says that in Canada the push for experiments backfired because of a conservative government they canceled it before the results could actually be collected but there was a lot of value in that research who was working, and they got scared. They they wanted it to fail miserably, which is why they probably said yes in the first place. <laughs> reminds me of like somebody's staunch father who just feels like he knows everything, and and so he's waiting for someone to fail so he could just yell in your face. You know, <laughs> that's what that reminds me of. So it says in Alaska, the partial basic income policy has broad and significant support because everyone has benefited from it. Building a constituency that can be expanded and deepened is where activist energy should be placed in the next stage. I believe with that. Now, UNICEF funded experiments in India, and they have now brought it to the political arena, there's actual, um, in India, real political discussions on how they can implement the basic income. Well, you know what? I hope this is going to work. They are um, actually the main parties. They're now proposing that a minimum income be set and implemented in the state of Sikkim, India well good for the people of Sikkim that makes me happy for them that's really good experiments in developing countries and regions where basic income is still not well known is may, might still be politically necessary they say so uh, let's see Experiments have already shown cash transfers make people happier, healthier, and they free and they freeze them up to pursue what they're actually interested in. The myths about basic income have been consistently undermined, particularly the idea that it would decrease work in any meaningful way. More experiments will keep telling us that people giving people cash is good generally in most of the ways that we measure positive outcomes and how many times do we need an experiment to tell us that cash transfers do not make people lazy yeah that's true so I agree I think it's just time I think it's time I'll tell you guys from my personal experience um, I have an income that's temporary but I've had it for nine years it did not make me lazy I mean I could have sat around in government housing and just continue to live my life and eek it out you know but I have taken my children to six different countries we've traveled extensively they've both learned how to play the guitar and they both speak Spanish my oldest understands Spanish fluently um, speaks it almost fluently my youngest both speaks and understands Spanish fluently they have learned about a wide variety of cultural um, differences among um, different Spanish-speaking populations. We have lived in Guatemala and Mexico and Colombia, Peru, now Ecuador. My kids have studied graffiti in all these places and we had lots of discussions about what did it mean. We had to translate um, graffiti in Spanish to discover that... Abortion is still illegal in many places. Violence against women is um, a big, big, big problem. If we eliminated poverty in all of these places, especially places like Guatemala, then perhaps uh, women could be self-sufficient and would not have to rely on a man that is constantly beating or raping them because they think it's their right. And maybe police can get paid and they wouldn't have to be corrupt in mexico where they are now in tulum which is a tourist area the cops wouldn't have to steal money from the tourists i know this is real it happened to my friend stanley he was robbed in a bar they they took all of his all of his pot and all of his money and gave him back his pot and walked out They didn't care about the the pot. It wasn't even about that for them. It was about the money. They wanted to take the money. If people did not feel disenfranchised in the Middle East a lot, you know, they don't feel like they make enough money. If they felt satisfied where they were because they had enough money, perhaps there would be a lot less terrorism in the world. I took a class in terrorism. Um, And I, and see, and that's another thing I, my, I've taken a lot of classes. I've gotten a lot of certifications. My education has gone through the roof because I've had nine years in which to study and get various certifications. And I've learned a lot. And now I have a podcast. So, I mean, you guys know, if you, if you know me since January doing this podcast, I've actually started this radio show five, five or six years ago now. Back in 2012, I started this podcast, which back then was a radio show. Now it's a podcast, but I didn't just sit around and do nothing. I have written several screenplays. I have have about three books waiting to be, I'm like halfway done with three books that I want to publish. I'm going to publish the transcripts for the show, which will bring that up to about nine books. I'm not sitting around idly. I'm not not sitting around the house eating bonbons and watching Jerry Springer. (laughs) In fact, I haven't sat around the house at all. I've been on the go. I've been learning about new people, (laughs) new people to me (laughs) and new cultures and learning about new food and also issues around the world that I bring to the forefront through my podcast. I mention things that maybe you don't know is going on like things in uh, Myanmar, things in India, things in Guatemala, you know, um, I feel that we'll make our world richer in a wide variety of ways, not just with pieces of paper (laughs) that say money on them. (laughs) If we had this basic human need and human right in this world anyway, Until we can all create stuff with our minds and hold our hands out and the hot loaf of bread appears in our hands. And until we can get into our Merkabah, spirit light bodies and fly around the universe, we're going to need things like transportation. We're going to need things like food. We're going to need things like money to pay rent. (laughs) So I think that universal basic income is a good idea. And if you want to write me about this metaphysical soul speak at gmail.com. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for being my loyal listener. And please feel free to like subscribe favorite, whatever it is on the podcast player you listen to. And please share, tell your friends, tell your open-minded, spiritually minded people in your life about metaphysical soul speak. All right, guys, I am exhausted. I'm going to bed. I love each and every one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being on this journey with me. But now I'm signing off with peace and love and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, peace.